Last week, we talked about something we don't always like to talk about. But the Sermon on the Mount is so good about putting us in his word and and having us discuss things. But one of the big things that we broke away from was Jesus sets us free. That we have freedom in Christ. We did a whole thing on the gospel message of what Jesus actually did on the cross and what that means for you and for me. That freedom gets to be dispersed in all areas of our life. One of the things that, that are themes that we keep seeing in the Sermon on the Mount is that Jesus is going directly to the heart of every matter. Everyone has been so fixated on the external. Everyone has been fixated on, on what we do and how we do it. And we would find, they would find, we find loopholes in systems that were set in place so that we feel better about a situation. And Jesus just says, let's talk about that. <laughs> let's take this a little bit deeper. This last week, uh, I had an incredible privilege of being able to celebrate 15 years of marriage with my wife. And I would love to tell you that all 15 years have just been bliss. But if you've been married for any amount of time, you know the challenges that come in marriage. You know, I, I remember when I first got married, I was so naive. And I remember, you know, telling people, marriage is easy. Marriage is easy. You just gotta, you just gotta love each other and and, you know, you hear all the different advice that comes with marriage, you know, that, that when you're getting married. I heard all of it. Uh, and, you know, one of the biggest ones would say, the best words that you can learn are, yes, dear, you know, things like that. And so I thought that, that when you get into this, because we're Christian, and because we are getting married with God's blessing— that the threefold union would be so strong and so great and so wonderful that as a Christian, especially as pastors, marriage would just be easy. We would just live by those Christian principles and, and just everything would be just fine. Not the case. <laughs> there are mountains that have been climbed. There's been valleys that we've been through. And I think that anyone that, like I said, that had been married for any amount of time can resonate with that a little bit. Yeah, there's been high times, there's been low times. And I don't know where you are in your journey. You may be in climbing mountains, trying to get over obstacles, trying to figure things out. You may be in complete bliss, or you may be in a dark little valley, not really sure where to go from here. Jesus, in his words on the Sermon on the Mount, as he is is getting into this next part, it seems a little out of place, but it's not. And so as we open up our Bibles, I invite you to to join me in Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 31. Matthew chapter 5, starting in verse 31, as we take a look at what Jesus has to say about 
marriage and divorce. Father in heaven, as we open up your word here today, we ask that your spirit would be so present. Lord, that we would hear your voice even over jets. (laughs) That we would be able to see what it is that your word says to us today. I pray that you would anoint my lips and my mind that the words that I speak are simply from you and that we walk away today with a renewed freedom in who we are in Christ. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. The Bible says in Matthew chapter 5, verse 31 and 32, it was also said, interesting how he starts this one, it's not you've heard that it was said or you've heard that it was from the days old. He is, it's kind of tied with what we talked about last week, which we talked about if you had lust in your heart for someone else. We talked about having an inward desire needs to be changed and that change only comes through Christ. And he continues, it was also said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you, that everyone who divorces his wife except on the ground of sexual immorality makes her commit adultery, and whoever marries a divorced woman commits adultery. And you think, as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, how is this relevant to what he's been talking about? But actually, the transition is pretty natural. Let me explain. You see, back then, in that culture— I'm not sure how different the culture is today. It seems to, there seems to be some, some similarities. But back then, it was only the man who could divorce or give the certificate of divorce to a woman. And here's the thing. Depending on which rabbi you followed and how they interpreted the law, you could give a certificate of divorce for just about anything. And so... If you think about in the context of what he just got done talking about, this idea of do not commit adultery and you have lust for your heart, the idea uh, uh, that the loophole that they found was, well, I don't need to commit adultery. All I need to do is sign a certificate of divorce, send her on her way, and pick up the new chick. Do you see? Women were not people. They were objects. They were property. They had no specific value, and that's what was wrong with the culture. Jesus always advocated for the woman. I love that. He, he showed the value and the worth in the, in the wonderful women that we have in our lives. And, and in this, he, he takes that loophole and he shuts it down. Because what, it, what, he, what he says is, I say to you that everyone who divorces his wife, except on the ground of sexual immorality, makes her. So everyone that Divorces makes her, so really they thought they were getting off the hook because basically they could say, well, I'm not going to commit, I'll just get rid of it and go find somebody else. Jesus says, but when you do that, you are basically committing it because you're making her do it. And so Jesus is taking this and he's taking the side of the woman and really talking to the man and saying, look, you can't make marriage a sham and just break it off for some frivolous reason. One of the, the most common reasons that I found as I was reading and researching was burning a meal or messing up a meal. Man sits down, doesn't like what he's eating. Get out of here, woman. Are you kidding me right now? 
If I got kicked out every time I cooked a bad meal, I'd have been gone a long time ago. I love to cook, but sometimes it, I, I mess it up. See, they were taking frivolous reasons to be able to do what they wanted to do. You think you're getting off the hook for something, but really, you're still on it. Now, here's, here's the thing. Just like we've talked about anger, or we've talked about lust, or adultery, I'm not sure going through the ins and outs and all what is allowed and what's not allowed when it comes to divorce is really what's needed today. I believe that all of us know how painful divorce is for anyone involved. If you've been through it, you know how painful it's been. If, you're, uh, if you've been in a home where you were a part of it, you know. If you're a family member and have seen it, I mean, you don't have to go very far. And I just want to tell you that if you've gone through this, God still loves you. <laughs> Jesus still offers his freedom and his gospel message to you. What is, what is in the past is in the past. Let's live for today and let's move forward. Let's, let's live for Jesus. And so I thought we could do something a little bit different. Because as we know what God's original intent was for marriage, we find it in Genesis chapter 2 and verse 24, Therefore a man shall leave his father and his mother and hold fast to his wife, and they shall become one flesh. We, we know what the ideal is. We know what God wants for us. So I thought we could do something a little bit different today, that instead of focusing on the things that we shouldn't do, what if we spend some time on the things that we can and we should be doing? Over the years, and I was part of this, there's this horrible assumption that just because you're a Christian and just because you go to church that your marriage must be good. And so we put on our best faces and we put on the best show that we can and we go to church or we go different places and we pretend that all is well only to get back into the car and pick up the fight that where we just left off from. Unfortunately, the church hasn't really spent a whole lot of time of enriching marriages, but they do a really good job of judging those marriages that fail. And so why not invest in our families and spend more time talking about this? I know that we've only, only been married 15 years. Some of you are hitting the 30 and 40 and 50 beyond mark, and that's incredible. And, and it's only by God's grace, and I think you would admit that. But I had friends that I was in their wedding and they're already on the second and third and it, it, it hurts. It hurts me, it hurts them, it hurts those involved. So if we don't talk about it, if we don't address it on the good side of things, on what we can do, then I think we're going to continue to see a spiral out of control of our families. So this morning I'd love to share with you just a few tools and resources to enrich your marriage and other relationships. I, I know that not everyone here is, is married, and, but look, some of the things that we're going to be looking at are things that you can implement in your own life with those people that you love 
and, and children and, and friends and other family members. So I, I don't want you to feel like I'm excluding anyone today. I, I want us all to be able to learn. But they are more specifically geared, I will say, toward uh, a married couple. And so here are just a few things that we have found helpful, me and Michelle have found helpful, and other uh, pastors and leaders that have found helpful uh, uh, different resources and books uh, that, we, that we really have loved. And the first one uh, is a set called For Men Only and For Women Only. And I've, I've not read For the Women Only, but my wife has. And, and uh, one of the things that, that she said, that was probably one of the best books that she's ever read to understand what's going on in my head. <laughs> Which, there's a lot. So, you know, there's a book that can describe it. That's incredible. So if this, you know, this would be one that, that guys, you could read, ladies, you could read. Uh, and then there's one that you could read together, and this one's called How We Love. And, and this one's uh, about understanding each other and also about conflict and, and resolution and things along those lines. Another way to enrich. So here's the thing. <clears throat> I know that if there's, a, if there's some conflict that's going on in your relationships— and you're not really sure how to approach it, like you want to approach it, and you want to try to find a solution to it, but you're not really sure how, <clears throat> today you get to blame the pastor. You can say, hey, at church today, the pastor was talking about this. He said we should try it. <laughs> and so you got kind of an in here if you'd like to, to move forward on some of these things. But, uh, but all three of these are, are really good resources. Uh, there are two more that I recommend for conflict and for parenting. The first one is called He Wins, She Wins. And this is a book that was highly recommended to us from our president of Montana, Elder Ken Norton. Him and his wife, Julie, uh, have, read, have read through this. They actually taught this at camp meeting together, and they just had nothing but great things to say. We are going through the book. The verdict is still out, okay? <laughs> but the whole idea is that both people it's, it's learning the art of marital negotiation. So the idea of, of the book is that both people come to uh, an agreement and both of them are enthusiastically in agreement. So whatever you do, whatever you choose to do, whether it's the restaurant you choose to go to eat or whether it's the vacation you choose to do or uh, a decision on how you, you manage children and parenting, you all do it together as one and you're enthusiastic about it. And I'm like, how is that even possible? But we're learning. And that's, what, that's the good thing, is that we can learn together. And if I were to stand up here and tell you, oh, I've got my marriage together now, that'd be ridiculous. We're all doing this together. We're all going through life. And if we can share something that's helped one, then let's share it, right? And the second book that, we, that Michelle and I have really enjoyed is this one called Parenting. So if you've got little kiddos, uh, even, even, not even if they're little, but you've got uh, the middle school, high school age, uh, even college age, this would be a really good book to pick up because it talks about how to get parenting right. How many of you would love to do that? Uh, but it talks about being able to create a foundation for your family and what are the non-negotiables for your family, but ultimately the end goal, the end goal is that you and your grown children can be friends and spend time together and go places together. And so you're fostering that from one thing to another. All right, so those are, those are some books there. I want to talk about another resource that I really, really love, and it's called Prepare and Enrich. How many of you have ever heard of Prepare and Enrich before? 
2. All right. Prepare and enrich is, a, is, is what I use when I do premarital counseling with a couple. But that's the prepare side. There's an enrich side to this as well. And so it can also be used in uh, married couples that have been married for any amount of time because it's about enriching your relationship. Several years ago, I had to go through a, a pretty rigor, rigorous course in order to become certified uh, in Prepare and Enrich. And if you go to preparingenrich.com or you Google it or, or whatever and you learn more about it, you can actually find different people in your area that are certified to teach it. And so I should be on the website to, to be on it. I've had people contact me uh, to do it in the community. And so, uh, but I also go through it with, with church members as well. And I found it to be one of the best. And it is considered the top of the top when it comes to uh, marital relationships, premarital relationships, and how you manage certain things. I highly, highly, highly recommend it. So whether you were to come to me as your pastor and we go through it together, that's cool. If you'd rather not go through it with your pastor and you want to go through somebody else, that's cool too. But I just wanted to share with you a little bit what it covers. And it's very extensive. You start off by taking a, like a 100-question survey. Uh, all these different questions that go through these different areas. And this is, these are the areas that we focus on specifically. Communication. We talk about how to be an active listener and to be assertive as you, as you talk, to be able to tell, it, tell them what it is that you need or desire or want, but also the other person to be able to listen to what it is that they're saying and be able to be on the same page as you move forward. So you're not taking things and running with it and you're not taking things out of context and things like that. Conflict resolution. By the way, Communication is the first thing that we deal with. Con conflict resolution is the second things that we deal with because these are the two areas that most marriages need the most help with, right? Being able to communicate with one another, telling each other how we're feeling, telling each other what we need, but also when we do get into a fight, how do we handle that? What do we do with that? We all have defaults. Usually when I get frustrated, I'll just tell you, my first thing is just to wa walk away. I just want to walk away. I don't want to deal with this conflict right now. I just want to walk away. I want to collect my thoughts, and we'll come back. But this, ta this teaches you how to go through a conflict resolution uh, uh, template to be able to work on some of these things. Partner styles and habits, uh, financial management, leisure activities. What do we do together? How do we find activities to do together? Your sexual relationship, family and friends. How do you deal with them, with the boundaries? Are, you know, are they healthy? Are they bad? Whatever the roles and responsibilities of the relationship. If you're trying to figure out why he won't do this or why she always does that, we talk about that. Spiritual beliefs, how, is it, how important is your spiritual life together? And, and what's great about Prepare and Enrich is they have built it specifically for uh, different denominations. And so there is one specifically for Seventh-day Adventists. And so it uses scripture as well as the spirit of prophecy to be able to handle some of these things. It's really quite great. Uh, forgiveness, uh, whether you are struggling to forgive someone outside of the home or struggling to forgive your spouse, uh, parenting, and health, and wellness. These are, I mean, this is not a, uh, a, a short thing. It's not something that you just do a couple times, but it's something that we do actively, and we participate in that. I do this with, with couples from all over the country uh, where we zoom in and we do this together, uh, or we do it right here at the church in the office. Um, and so 
again, if it's something that you're interested in and you want to talk about it, let's talk about it. I am not going to judge you. Because here's the thing, is even if you don't decide to go through prepare and enrich, or you don't come and talk to your pastor or whatever, look, I'm not a certified therapist. I've, just been, I've been certified to do this. And so if it's above my head, I'm just going to say, look, I know of some really great professionals here in the area that could help you get through this process, uh, what's going on in your life. And so you can find a local or an online Christian marriage and family therapist. There are f- several here in the area that we have a list of, the people that we trust, people that we would say, yes, this is someone that you could trust because they're, they're biblical, they're, they're focused in on what the Bible has to say, and helping you navigate through that. I just want to say, Michelle and I have been through counseling. And we'll probably go through counseling again because what counseling and therapy does is that it, it teaches you how to do certain things. It gives you the tools and the resources so that you can have a healthy and happy marriage. I think years ago, the stigma of going and getting counseling was like the last resort, right? Like you get to this point where you've already made up your mind. And I've had those couples that have come to me. They've already made their mind up. They know what they're going to do. But they've come here for one last shot because so-and-so wanted them to do it. And they're just going to give it one last try. And so we sit and we talk and we pray. And at the end of it, they say, look, Pastor, I'm just going to go do my own thing. And I can't, you know, I can't control that, nor could you, or nor could anybody else. But counseling shouldn't be the last resort. Just consider it as a tool, a resource. Hey, we could brush up on our communication. Let's go talk to so-and-so. All these different things. The stigma of, of counseling is bad or therapy is last resort, that's no longer the case. Let's, let's actively pursue a happy and healthy relationship with what, with what we have, okay? Another thing that I know that you guys know this, but I just wanted to remind you, spend time together. If you're, if you're both doing separate things all the time, then what good is that doing? You see, in any relationship, whether it's marriage, whether it's friendships, or even in your relationship with God, it is always flowing. It's never stagnant. It doesn't just stop. It's either growing together or it's drifting apart. And every decision and everything that you do will either grow you closer together or it'll drift you apart. So even in your walk with God, think about that. When we are in devotional time and we're singing or whatever the case is, what is that doing? It's growing us together. Whenever we neglect that time with God, we are drifting apart. It's not that God is leaving you or things like that. I'm just giving you the example that we're j- there's sometimes a disconnect. In the same way, in our marriages, and our relationships, our friendships, the more you talk on the phone, the more you Zoom, you FaceTime, the more you grow together. The more you spend time together, the more you grow together. But the more you go do your own thing and they do their thing, you drift apart. I don't want to bash anybody here today, but I've never understood the whole he's taking his vacation and she's taking her vacation. You guys may do that. It may work for you. But I can't even imagine going on vacation without my wife and my, my family. Like, that's just weird to me. But, hey, to each their own, I guess. Well, I put some pictures up here to cook together. Maybe you have no idea how to cook, but your spouse does. Get in there and have them teach you. Learn some things, whatever the case is. Maybe it's going different places together, going and trying new foods together. Um, you know, maybe it's going and, and starting some recreational time. Uh, one of the things that Michelle and I like to do uh, when we don't know what else to do is we go play tennis or we go play pickleball. 
We're both neither good at it. We're both pretty equal in it, and so it's fun together. And so just finding different things that you can do to spend some time together. Date nights. Do you remember when you used to go on dates? Hopefully you still are, but maybe you're not. And I want to remind you, it's still okay to go buy her flowers and to take her out, night on the town to McDonald's. Like, it's great. Amen. Go get an ice cream cone, man. Just do something. Like, come on. It's $1.29. Like, you can swing that. If you've got the extra budget to go to a fancy place or, or whatever, like, the point is not where you go. It's spending time together. So if McDonald's is your joint, go for it. If something else is your, your place, then go for that too. Maybe home, right in the kitchen, sitting at your table. Do that too. Spending time together. Going on dates together. Find unique things to do. Maybe it is, maybe it is going to the park and playing a game of tennis or pickleball. Or maybe it's, I don't know, what do you guys do for dates? What do you guys do? You go to the rodeo. I don't know. Yeah, that's fun. You go camping. It's not really a date, but it's like an extended long date. Spending time together. Uh, axe throwing. Maybe you've got some rage you need to get out. You know, go to the axe throwing place and throw some axes. You know, just don't throw them at each other. It's, I think that, you know, get creative here. Get online and say things to do in Billings, Montana as a couple. Like, I mean, things like that uh, is, is just, it's fun. And surprise the other person and say, I've planned this night together. Let's go and let's do it together. Here's another one. Very simple and very cheap. Go on walks together. I couldn't tell you how many fights have been resolved, how, much, how many problems, whether it's parenting or whether it's something else, that have been resolved on a walk. There's something about being able, I, I don't know, Michelle tells me that I open up when we're walking. So she's always like, let's go for a walk. <laughs> let's go walk. So let's get outside and walk. You know, if I'm clamming up, I'm stressed out, whatever it is, she's just, come on, let's go. And so we go walking, and we talk. And it's just a, you know, you talk about in nature, out, maybe it's a path or whatever it is that you've got in your, in your neighborhood or whatever to be able to talk things through. Safe place. All right, I've got another free one for you today. And this is probably one of our favorites and was introduced to us several years ago by a counselor and it was uh, a game changer for us. And it's called Highs and Lows. And so I've actually invited Michelle to come and talk with me about this and she's shaking her head. She's so mad at me. We were introduced to highs and lows several years ago because we were having a hard time talking about our day. I don't know if you've ever had that whenever you come home. How was your day? Fine. We usually get that from kids when they get home from school. What'd you learn today? Nothing. You know, that kind of thing. But, but when, when you are a couple and you're coming home from work and you're saying, how was your day today? It was okay. It was fine. And you're not really getting past those one-word answers. Highs and lows allows you to do so. And so what it is, is it is a safe time and safe place where you talk about the highs of your day and the lows of your day. And you have to be pretty specific. Tell me why 
Tell me why you like highs and lows so much. I think I like highs and lows because it gets us past just the fine or whatever is going on. Or it gets you past like the business talk of like, hey, where are we going? Where are the kids going? All that. And I think it just really helps us to open up and to connect more. And I always feel more connected after we've talked about highs and lows. And maybe then from that we address something that, you know, was a problem that we really did need to talk about. But it just opens up more dialogue. So give an example. What would be a high of your day? Um, well, let's talk about right now. What's your high of the day, Michelle? You know, I would say the high this of my day. This is a day. safe place, okay? <laughs> was this morning before Sabbath school started, Lucy and I had just a really fun conversation. And she was telling me all about her week and what she played and what she had for breakfast, and it was just fun. So that was probably the high of my day. The high of my day so far, it's not over yet. We usually do this at the end of the day. Yeah. Uh, but uh, the high of my day has, was probably this morning um, I was just writing down a few extra things for today's message and just the things that had been going on in my head. And, uh, and you brought me a muffin for breakfast to, so that I had have something in my stomach today and because you cared, and, and that just really meant a lot to me. Uh, and also the kids slept in a little bit, so it was quiet this morning. That was really nice. And uh, so what would be a low? Is this your low of the day right now? <laughs> no, um, I don't really know that I've had a low. And sometimes we don't have a low. I would say sometimes, no, actually, it's a really good day. I don't have a low. Yeah, so thank you. I'll let you go because okay. I know you want to be done. You know, sometime in your day, you may have been short on the phone or you texted and you didn't get a response back or maybe you said some snide comment, or whatever the case is. A low in that safe time allows you to bring that up. You say, you know, today when you said this, that really hurt my feelings because I was asking, you know, whatever the case is, it allows you to bring up some of these things. You don't want to bring it into a fight. That's why highs and lows is a safe place. This is not the time to argue. This is the time to share. And so the other person could say, wow, I did not realize that I, I acted that way toward you, or I, you know, I do realize that I acted that way toward you, and I'm sorry because I was, that was inappropriate, or whatever. And you're able to deal with it and address it in a way that you wouldn't normally. Uh, because sometimes what you do, I don't know if you do this, but if somebody does something to you, so you kind of tuck it away and you keep score. And as it builds and it builds and it builds, it takes one little small thing for you to blow up at the person and say, you know, you've been so disrespectful to me lately. But you have no, you know, seven days ago when you said fine. Okay, so if, you're, if you can kind of smile to that, then you know, like you've been there. So highs and lows is a great practice that you do every day. You can do this on the phone. You can do this via FaceTime. You can do it uh, before you go to bed. This is just a time for you to, and you can do this with your best friends. It's a great thing when you're talking on the phone and say, hey, what were your highs and lows this week? Or what are your highs and lows? These are, this is just a way to get past the common, hey, fine, whatever. This gets you talking. And that's what, that's what we really like about the highs and lows. I can't stress this enough. 
and it's not because I'm a pastor. Because I will tell you that our marriage has been strong and it has been weak, and there's been one common denominator to that, and that has been prayer, whether we pray together or whether we don't. And the more we pray together as a couple, the stronger we are. I, I, the only way I can explain it is that you're inviting God to really take control of the marriage and in the relationship. And here's the thing. I don't know about you, and even as a pastor, praying together can sometimes be a little awkward. Maybe we're not quite sure what to say. We're not quite sure, like, you don't want to be like, hey, bless my spouse, she really needs help. <laughs> like, that's not, that's not what you want to do, right? So it's, it's one of those things you say, well, what, what do we pray about? How do we pray? And I will tell you that it's embarrassing sometimes. I'm going to open up. It's embarrassing sometimes when my wife tells me, hey, we need to pray together. Like, duh, I should have said that. I know I, I need to say that, but for whatever reason, sometimes there's a hesitation that for whatever reason, she's not going to want to, but she always wants to. So I don't understand why I hesitate. But anyways, what I'm saying is pray together. And if you're not quite sure how, here are a couple of books to encourage you to pray together, but also how to pray together. These are not new books, and you've probably seen them, and they may be on your shelf. It's time to get them back out. The Power of a Praying Husband is an absolute, incredible book. And guess what? They make one for the wife, The Power of a Praying Wife. They've got all kinds of power of praying something, but the power of a praying parent and a power of praying this. But these two right here teaches you how to pray for your spouse. This is, this, you're becoming an intercessor now. Can you imagine if both of you are praying for each other? Pretty amazing. Oftentimes we end up picking these, up, these books up because we want to pray for our spouse because they're just not interested in spiritual things and you're hoping that they'll come back around. And that there's intercessory prayer needed for that. But this also allows for both of you to be praying together. I promise you there will be changes. But here's one that you could do together. I know it's kind of hard to read, but it's called Two Hearts Praying as One. And this is from the, the Rainy Couple. I've uh, written many books over the years. But this is a really small, thin book. It's not big, but it gives you one day at a time of what you can pray and then gives you a little bit of uh, maybe a, a question or a reflection for the two of you to reflect on, either to talk about or reflect on in your own heart. I recommend this book because if you just don't know where to start or where to begin, it's so awkward, it's so weird, this would be a book, very, very inexpensive. It's, a, it's maybe $7.00. Uh, but I, I highly, highly recommend uh, these three books when it comes to praying as a couple, praying for each other. It's really, really, really good. Um, if you're not a husband, you're not a wife, there are, Stormy has, has written other books on, on being the power of a prayer warrior, praying, per, you know, whatever it is, praying friend. There's so many of them. There's got to be one in your context, and I would highly recommend that you pick it up. And, and it just helps you get into that that prayer routine and that prayer life. So, if your marriage isn't where it needs to be or it's not where you want it to be, I'll be completely honest with you. There is no book, <laughs> there's no resource, there's no amount of counseling, there's no amount of axe throwing 
that will truly transform your marriage if there's something wrong in the heart. If there's something wrong somewhere else. I'm sure I've shared this story with you in in the past few years, but there was a moment in our life, in in our, our marriage just stunk. In fact, I can tell you that just about everything in life stunk. Uh, work was completely stressed to the max. I was, I was so burned out. We weren't really getting along at all. It just seemed that everything that I had worked so hard for wasn't working. And there's, I don't know about you, but there's such a frustration with that, that you just keep putting more in, and you keep trying, and you're not gaining any ground. And we were at a pastor's meeting. We had some time to be alone out in nature. I grabbed some random book and my Bible, and I went out. And I picked up my Bible, and I flipped and thumbed through it, but I didn't really find anything that was resonating with me on that day. I didn't really know what I was looking for. I was just, I just was, I just frustrated. That's my favorite emotional word that I use. <laughs> I was frustrated. But the first question that this book had on the first page as I opened it up was, what is the condition of your heart? And at first... I wanted to say anxious, stressed, frustrated, angry. I had all these emotions that I wanted to tie to what my heart was. But the question came in the book, if you were to ask God and pray and ask him what the condition of your heart, what would it be? So I prayed, God, what is the condition of my heart? Now I've I've, I've, many times in my life, I have felt that God has placed something on my heart. I believe that God has spoken, whether it's through his word, it's just what I needed for that day. It was a sermon that came at just the right time. You know, there's just those, but there's also that, that, that Holy Spirit small voice whisper that sometimes just, just hits. This one was more of like a punch in the gut. Because when I asked God, God, what is the condition of my heart? His response to me in that moment, the impression that I got, was stony. You have a heart of stone. I don't know, but that doesn't sound very good. (laughs) Stony and hard hearts make life and relationships miserable. We're stubborn, we're angry. And I think it's why Jesus responded to a specific question in Matthew chapter 19 when they asked him, why then did Moses command one to give a certificate of divorce and to send her away? And his response is, he said to them, because of your hardness of heart, Moses allowed you to divorce your wives, but from the beginning, it was not so. Now, if you look at this for a moment, what was it? Why did Moses allow it? Because of the hardness of hearts. In verse 9, it continues, And I say to you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. Now, adultery and sexual immorality are two different things according to the Bible when it comes to the words that are used. And the one that is used for sexual immorality is this this word called porneia, which we get the word porn or pornography, but it means sexual immorality. And sexual immorality is not just exclusively 
adultery. It's marital unfaithfulness. Marital unfaithfulness. And what that could, I mean, you think about the heart, the hardness of heart will always lead you to marital unfaithfulness because how can you truly love the way that Christ loves if you've got a hard heart? And so you're, you're, you're stubborn. You're short in your temper. Maybe you're controlling. Maybe you're abusive. Verbally, spiritually, because the hardness of your heart is full of pride and arrogance and thinking that your way is the only way and it's the best way and they just need to submit to you because that's what the Bible says. But don't you know that the Bible says, Jesus, I mean, come on, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. Which way do you think you're going if your heart is hard? Are you growing together or are you drifting apart? If you're negative, you're irritable, you're complaining, you're short-tempered, you're angry, you're unforgiving, you're judgmental. When they make a mistake, you keep a score. When one of, when one of you does something wrong, there are times that you wish you would have never got into this relationship, maybe you even wish that you were with someone else. You simply just give them your exhausted leftovers at the end of the day. Hardness of heart destroys relationships. That's what Jesus says. And I just, I I believe it. Just like murder starts in the heart with anger and just like adultery starts in the heart with lust, divorce starts in the heart as your heart is hardened. And the only way to get rid of it is if God does it for you. And I have to remind you of this promise because this is what Jesus did for us. This is what he's doing for us. This is what is given to us that we get to receive in Ezekiel 36, verses 26 and 27. And I will give you a new heart. As I sat there in that moment and that pastor's retreat all by myself with tears coming down my face, knowing that I've got a stony heart, I said, Lord, what do I do about it? And the only thing that came to mind was Ezekiel 36. And so I went because here's the thing, you can't do anything about it except to receive what Jesus is giving to you. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statue and be careful to obey my rules. Only God could do it. He gives us a new heart. He puts his spirit in us. And I knew At that moment of my life, I knew it would never be the same again. I knew, and I don't know if it was God putting this impression, I said, everything that I have been working toward is about ready to crumble. Everything that in my life that I have made a priority, my high places, God is about to break them down. And boy, did he ever. I received a new life. But I and my wife went through dark and painful moments. But I knew God was with me. And I knew he was with her. 
and I knew he was with us. And during that time of darkness and pain and hurt, the Lord refreshed my soul, and he refreshed our marriage, and he changed our lives. And he brought us to Billings, Montana. Look at what Thoughts of Mount of Blessing has to say in regards to this. This is, it's, hopefully you can read this. This is on the same section in the Sermon on the Mount. This is what she says towards the end. Yet even for those who have found bitterness and disappointment where they had hoped for companionship and joy. So even though you may be going through a really difficult time, it's not what you thought. The gospel of Christ offers a solace. The patience and gentleness which his spirit can impart will sweeten the bitter lot. The heart in which Christ dwells will be so filled, so satisfied with his love that it will not be consumed with longing to attract sympathy and attention to itself. It's no longer, woe is me. But Jesus fills us and transforms us, consumes us, and through the surrender of the soul to God, his wisdom can accomplish what human wisdom fails to do. Through the revelation of his grace, check this out, this is so good. Through the revelation of his grace, hearts that were once indifferent or estranged may be united in bonds that are firmer and more enduring than those of earth. The golden bonds of a love that will bear the test of trial. And what is it, did she say, what was it that is good and transforms the heart? The gospel of Jesus Christ. The freedom from sin, the, the redemption of men and women, that we are sons and daughters of our king. And now he says, I will fulfill you. I will change your heart. And as I change you, your life will change. All because of what Jesus did. So I ask you a question today. Here's your question. Are you ready for it? After all the resources and all the different things and all the things we're talking about, what is the condition of your heart? Father in heaven, as we wrestle with that question, we may have an earthly response but we don't want an earthly response. We want a heavenly response. And so, Lord, we're going to wrestle with that question with you. What condition is our heart? Now, we know what the Word says. We know what you've done. We know what you have given to us. Have we received it? Or are we hardening our hearts? Lord, it is only by your grace by your spirit, by what you do that transforms us and changes us. So we ask you today to reveal to all of us as individuals what is the condition of my heart? Is it stony or is it soft? Is it the heart of flesh that you give to me? Is it the heart new, renewed? No, not renewed. It's new. It's not recycled. <laughs> it's brand new. 
and you live in us, and your spirit is placed in us. We can right now surrender to your spirit and let you live in us and produce the fruit of love and joy and peace and gentleness and kindness and self-control. We can have that life or we can choose to live the life in the flesh and live a life that's we're negative and we're angry and we're, we're full of strife and we're fighting with one another. We're picking on one another. Lord, as we approach you, with the question of what condition. We're not just asking that you'd reveal that to us, but that you would change us, that you would put your heart in us right now, and that we would receive it, and that we would live a life in the Spirit, free from sin, loving our, our friends, our family, and especially our spouses, as you love us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.